Iowa everywhere. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, boys, it's game day. Let's go. Let's go. Big game. Got a big game today. My package has arrived. Oh, sweet. Nice. Goal! Great win, fellas. What game's next? G-Men are having a great year. Let's go blue! Here we go. Primetime football. Texans, Dolphins. Let's do this. Yes! Review. Yes! Yes! Heartland flags. Every sport. Every team. Every flag. Every team? That's right. Fine, fine. I'll get a Washington flag, too. Find your flag and so much more with fast, free shipping. Heartlandflags.com. Every sport, every team, every flag. Almost. Heartland Flags and Gifts presents Legends and Listeners with Scott Docterman and Chad Leistico. Fly them high and fly them proud. Find your flag at heartlandflags.com. Breaking down the Big Ten from the Channel Seat Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Hey, Hawkeye fans, Big Ten fans, and Iowans everywhere. Welcome into the Channel Seat Studios for episode 15 of Legends and Listeners. Here on the Iowa Everywhere Network, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register with you as always. And happy to converse today with award-winning Hawkeyes beat writer Scott Docterman of The Athletics. Scott, uh, Big Ten Championship game on our dockets here for the second time in three years uh, covering the Hawkeyes. We will get to that topic more specifically later with some conversations surrounding the game on Saturday between Michigan and Ohio State. But I kind of wanted to start today with the imagery that we saw at the conclusion of Iowa's 15-13 to win against Illinois. Uh, Brian Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz, hugs, tears, water cooler baths, the OC uh, getting to walk out of Kinnick, a winner. Uh, how did that all resonate for you on Saturday? Well, Chad, I was really – I guess I was happy for Brian that it kind of came to that conclusion. It's been – a really choppy tenure for him. I thought early on, um, you know, he had some things go well for him and on the offensive side, and then things kind of went south the last few years and he wasn't able to really get, you know, galvanize it. So I thought all things considered the way this season has gone to have that kind of memory for him, you know, to have his kids out there with him to, uh, you know, have the, you know, the players dump him with Powerade and, and uh, be able to, you know, soak it up, have tears, probably beers too. You know, I, I was really, I thought it was a good, good conclusion for him. Cause he, you know, the thing, I think a lot of Iowa fans have 
you know, haven't realized or remembered is, you know, he was a team captain for Iowa. He played, he started a couple of years, nearly had his leg cut off for this program, came back and, uh, you know, left the New England Patriots a year right after their Super Bowl year from coaching Rob Gronkowski to coach the offensive line and, you know, spent what, five years doing that and then ended up on the uh, OC and things didn't work out well, but, you know, this, he played for the program. He bled for the program. So I think uh, he's due that respect. So what, what did you think, Chad? Yeah. I, uh, before the game, uh, I tweeted out a quote from him from one of the podcasts I did with him. And, and I, I remember it being the most, the best part of the three hour podcast, I thought, because he talked about, uh, you know, what it meant to him uh, to be on Kinnick Stadium and with Hawkeye fans. And this was, of course, back in 2021. There was no necessarily threat uh, that he was going to lose his job, you know, or anything like that. But he also said, you know, I may have ruined my career professionally by staying here so long. But he said, you know what, every every time I walk out on the field at Kinnick, it's worth it. That was the gist of the quote. And that was it was really cool to kind of revisit that. I just it, I thought of it while I was driving to the stadium on Saturday. And um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was also just a reminder, you know, that this guy is has bled for the Hawkeyes for a long time. And I think uh, I think it was a good moment for, like you said, a good moment for him. I'm glad for him. I've always liked Brian and um, personally, for sure. Yeah, me too. He's funny. (laughs) He's funny. He's engaging. He's a great interview when we get to interview him. And um, I think he's. I think he's gotten an unfair rap with the nepotism stuff. I don't think he's gotten an unfair rap with, you know, the way the offense has performed. I feel like that that's been justified, but I don't feel like, I don't feel like he didn't earn his job in my, in my opinion. I don't, I feel like he did earn his job. And we heard that from, you know, example, Matt rule this week in his press conference, uh, singing his praises, you know, and, uh, as a coach and like, he's going to be a good coach again. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it just didn't work out. I mean, it, it's time, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes to all that stuff, Chad. I think first, you know, the, the nepotism stuff, you know, whether it's apt for him being the offensive coordinator, that could be, you know, everybody else can be their own judge and jury on that. But I think when you look at, you know, how he got the job, the way he matriculated up the up the levels with Bill Belichick in New England and became a, a tight ends coach. I talked to Rob Gronkowski earlier this year and he sang his praises. He said, he taught me how to block. I love that guy. He, he always boiled it down for me in the right way. And, uh, and so to come to Iowa to be the offensive line coach, there was no reason for anybody to think that that was nepotism. I mean, now granted, I think there were like 104 candidates, but why wouldn't Brian Ferentz be a candidate? I mean, again, he played, coached, coached in the NFL, did it in a successful way. You know, he led the tight ends through workouts at the combine one time, you know, so he, he had a resume worthy. I mean, Iowa is not, the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it is the University of Iowa. So it's not like you need to, to establish some sort of a threshold to be an assistant coach at the University of Iowa. And then, but then his tenure as offensive line coach, um, you know, he, they gradually got better than what they were. Um, you know, Brandon Sheriff won the Outland in 19, um, 
it, I mean, sorry, 2015, it all blends together. <laughs> yeah, you know? you're getting too much like Kirk here. Yeah. Like 1980s 1981 when we did this. Uh, 2015, <laughs> you know, they ran for 35 touchdowns when he was the run game coordinator. Mm-hmm. 2016, they won the Joe Moore Award with a with a really choppy unit. But that by the end of the year, the way it blocked was, was fantastic. And that was the first and only time they've ever had 2,000-yard rushers in the same season. He was the run game coordinator for that. So it was a it was absolutely the right trajectory um but i agree with you that all criticism is warranted when you start to look at the the performance of the offense the last few years is it just brian or is it brian and kirk i think both are fair game for that and uh but that doesn't mean that you can't feel good for somebody based on their performance and you know it was you know it was an unfortunate timing but it, it's still probably the right move to, to have Brian take off. And it's probably the best move for him professionally because he cannot grow here. He is um, only going to be maligned. Even if next year Cade McNamara comes in the back and they're really good on offense, then it'll be because of Cade McNamara, not because of Brian Ferentz. Definitely want to remind you guys that Legends and Listeners is brought to you by Heartland Flags and Gifts, which offers free shipping anywhere in the U.S., always has fresh products, every team, nearly every team, every sport and every flag. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. It, is, it has to be nearly every team because anytime I search a team, they've got it. Uh, visit our good friends online at heartlandflags.com or in store at 3719 Southwest 9th Street in Des Moines. Obviously, it's Christmas shopping uh, season time. Black Friday is here. We'll get to Nebraska in a second, but uh, pig, pigtailing off the Brian thing. Uh, here were a couple. Here were like four, three word headlines I got, and I thought I'd just read them here because they they offer a wide range of emotions. I'll let you pick out yeah. maybe one to one to jump on here. Uh, happy for Brian. Beth was wrong. Bring back Brian, and thank you, Brian. So. Uh, I feel like this game, Scott, and uh, I'll let you, I want your take on this, obviously, too, has stirred up some of that emotional, oh, man, did we do the wrong thing by getting rid of Brian? And why'd they fire him? I'm hearing a lot of this now. It's fine. I understand it. Because there are emotions. Every time, every week's a new emotion, you know? And, uh, but I also think that, okay, I'll say what I'm going to say. Definitely don't have to agree to agree with it, but I think if this move hadn't been made three weeks ago, there would be a lot more angst about this. There'd be a lot more pressure about this because he's not getting to twenty-five, obviously. Yeah. And it is, as someone in the three-word headlines said, it's now dry for three fifty. By the way, so <laughs> it's not three twenty-five yeah. anymore. Um, so I feel like uh, I feel like that it was even more the right move in a way because you would detach the emotion from this moment, right? To, at least for me, it's like, uh, now it's like, if they hadn't done anything, it's almost to the point where, well, you have to bring them back, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I feel like it, in a way, it was even more so the right timing to do it as I look back on it. But any, any of that you wanna jump on? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't going to be pretty no matter how it happened or transposed. And and I think, you know, in the interim or since this happened, they're they're three and oh. Uh nobody else in the West is close to that. Uh, so they've been they've won these games and uh but they also won ten to seven, twenty-two to nothing, and fifteen thirteen. 
Um, so it wasn't like an offensive explosion. Now I think they played better on offense and that's been proven with, especially with Deacon Hill, the go from completing 36% to 65% in, um, in over, you know, his tenure, I think there again, you know, you know, how much of that is due to Brian working with him or John Budmeyer or just him getting more comfortable. I think you can, everybody's got a, you know, owns a slice of that pie, but, I, I think thank you, Brian, is fine. I, I think that's probably what I would do it. And I would say Beth got it wrong. No. And, I, and you know, as we know, that was more Barbara Wilson than Beth gets, at least at that timing of it. Uh, I, I think overall it, it, it's good. It's healthy. This program can move in the right direction. I'm a, I'm a thousand percent agreement with you that if they would have kept winning, even the same scores, even the same exact outcomes, um, that the angst would still be high. Well, but we're still going to get beat by Ohio State or Michigan or whatever. And, you know, are we really that good? And we're going to bring back Brian. That really sucks. Because I even wondered in the beginning of the year if I would have tweeted some sort of poll that said, if would you rather be 7-5 and five and Brian gone or 10-2 and two and go, when, win the West, but he comes back? I think more people, at least on Twitter, would have voted for 7-5 and five and gone. And that's that's kind of the nature of the beast. So I I think it's everything turned out perfectly at this point. I'm glad you said that because um, I, I, that's how I'm feeling too. Like uh, I know it's not like great radio or whatever, you know, to be agreeing all the time. But yeah. uh, but also I guess the reason I say that is because I mean you you've noticed, haven't you? Like that Kirk is like loose now. Mm-hmm. Everything is. It's funny again, like people are joking around. I feel like it just was an initial shock to the system or whatever. And I feel that tells me that they've come to grips with it. They've accepted it. And now they're having fun with it. I mean, heck post game took forever the other night because he was relishing every moment with his, you know, grandchildren and son and whoever else in the locker room. And I don't know. It just feels like the air was air has been cleared here and even and the play has been better. I just feel like I feel like it it all actually is almost perfect because he gets to walk out. He knows this is his last game in Kinnick. He walks out of their winner. And like you said, they only scored 13 offensive points. It's not like I mean, it was punt, 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 and then touchdown on 40, uh, 54 yard drive. So, yeah. uh, And 10 of it was penalties, not taking away from it. But, you know, it wasn't like it was, you know, greatest show on turf again. So. You know, I, I wonder how much of that was, you know, I, you know, we're, we're both the parents of, of boys. And, and if we were working with them and somebody said, you know, they fired your son, you would be you'd take immediate, you know, you'd be bristle at that. But, you know, I'm sure whether it was his wife saying, no, you can go ahead and stay there, because I'm sure there's a lot of focus there because i mean you know she's you know he's her son too you know and if she's like you know screw them let's leave or whatever then you know then you're kind of caught in the middle too but you know i'm sure brian did a nice job of telling his dad look don't i'll be fine don't worry about it and we'll you know we'll just move on and you know maybe they're angry and at the at the outset but but i think you know having that conversation probably uh, you know, just knowing how life works, if the wife is okay with it, you know, okay, well, you can come, you know, 
come back, keep working. Brian will be fine. We'll move on. But, you know, don't expect him to write, write another 100K per year <laughs> to the athletics department. I would, that one might uh, go away. But overall, uh, you know, and then the 88 minute thing, I hope never happens again. But uh, <laughs> after the game. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you had it down to 88. Huh? 88 minutes. Yes. <laughs> that was definitely the long, I feel like the longest I've ever waited for a Ferentz after a, a game. Yeah, it was. It Is was, that accurate for you? You've, you've been covering yes. him longer. Okay. The only one, the only one I'm even aware of in the Big Ten that, that lasted that long was one time when Indiana clinched the Big Ten basketball championship, but with Tom Crean, and but they lost the game, and he they waited like three hours, you know, before they came out. It was like one in the morning before they came oh, out. To wow! Media. And then they went out and cut out the nets like by themselves. And I mean, I mean, this just shows you how quirky Tom Crean was. But, <laughs> but I, I remember, you know, the Indiana media was just incensed you know because for obvious reasons and you know kirk didn't make it easy on us by any stretch but i mean i get it but i'm like all right that's fine don't do it again (laughs) (laughs) um well i i don't really have any more thoughts on this other than i feel like it's 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 freeing now brian gets to go to lincoln nebraska one more time you know he gets to go to the big 10 championship game now and of course you know, we'll see what bowl game or whatever. But, uh, you know, he's got a chance to kind of finish his career at Iowa, you know, in whatever way he can make it happen. And so, uh, I don't know. I think there's a little bit of peace at knowing what's going to happen. And I feel like I, I feel like Iowa fans are have just enjoyed this so much more, too. I almost feel like it was a gift for the fans. It's like, even if you like, I don't know. It was I, like if, if you're still mad at it and not enjoying these wins or whatever, like I don't know, I just don't see that. I feel like it's I feel like everyone's just enjoying this right now, which is cool to see from from where we sit, from you know where my parents sit. I mean, just yeah. everyone who's a Hawkeye fan, I feel like is just happier now. No question. That's that's kind of the gist that I got to on you know that yes, there are the people. Oh, you know, there was somebody who said. You know, and I got kind of mad on Twitter, you know, because they were like, oh, you know, this is like watching paint dry or something like that. I'm like, hey, I'm not the complaint department. You know? <laughs> I saw that. That was yeah. good. <laughs> you know, it's like I get tired of this stuff. You know, why, why? You know, some days I don't mind being the community bartender, but other days it's like, let's, let's shut it down, you know. <laughs> but, I, but I think that this whole situation was like a giant blister. And by popping the blister, which was, OK, Brian, you know, it's over after this that it relieved all the tension it relieved the anxiety it relieved the anger and the angst and allowed everybody just to enjoy it for what it is because there's no use in getting angry and worrying that more wins means more Brian. It means that they can just go out and play football. And then, and I think there's been a more of an appreciation for the season because yes, it is, it can be hideously ugly, no question, but it's like, but there are, I get this from the fans, it's our team and they're, they're winning games and the way that they're winning and the adversity that they're facing and the toughness that they're showing, you got to admire that. And, and I think a lot of fans have finally hit that, that plus button on that. Well, and I think you raised one last point on this and we'll move on, but I think you raised a good comment there, Scott, because now I feel like the way it is unfolding that 
that Brian is going to be able to leave with more fond memories from fans, you know, like it's not mm-hmm. like, um, I don't know, just the exit seems like it's a positive one. So mm-hmm. all in all, I don't think it's necessarily, I think it's a good thing. All right. Yeah. Uh, Circa sports at last check had Nebraska favored in this game by two points. I've seen it two and a half as well over under 26 uh, at Circus Sports, which is the exclusive sports betting app of Iowa everywhere. Circus Sports is sports betting the way it should be with the highest limits, lowest holds, and best odds. Download the app today at the App Store or CircusSports.com. 26. 26. And as we'll get to, if we get to our predictions, I've got it going under. So (laughs) Uh, it's time for our, on that note, it's time for our main topic today, Scott, which is uh, we're going to, phrase it as the importance of beating Nebraska. Like what is the importance? Is there an importance? Uh, Iowa certainly made its stance clear uh, on Tuesday. There are many layers of this, uh, but, but like I said, the first of which was kind of put to rest on Tuesday. Uh, Hawkeyes are going all out for the win on Friday. They're not going to rest anybody. Uh, at least may, you know, maybe they rest their center potentially, but um I was impressed with everything they had to say, and I feel like uh, I feel like they're going to bring their best on on Friday. You know, my my vibe from them is that the the lack of pressure has been. It, it doesn't mean that there's a lack of focus. That just because that there's no anxiety attached to this game, you know. In fact, it's probably you know, it, it's relieved all the stress. They, now they can just go out and play football. Now they don't have to worry about what comes next. They can just go out and f- have fun, um, compete. And and then it boils down to, well, why are you playing college football to begin with? And that is to play football. And then you have this rivalry game against, you know, it is a rival, no question. And you're playing it on Black Friday for a, a national audience. And you have a chance to go out with 10 wins, which – you know, it's only happened 10 other times in Iowa history and, and, and what six of them were um, in the regular season. So that's really, I mean, that's a hell of an accomplishment for a program like Iowa in a year like this. Now, you know, then there's the people, well, you know, anybody going 10 games in the Big Ten West. Well, no, they can't. That's why Iowa's right. doing it. Right. <laughs> you know, you look at it's everybody hard. else and nobody else is doing it. And, and you know, and, and I get it. You know, the, it's not a juggernaut division, but Iowa is winning games. That's all I can do is win. And they're, that's what they're doing. And so I think going to Nebraska, they've got the right mindset, you know, and, and then they got a trophy there that they lost last year. And, and you know, they're 17 and one in their last 18 November games. And that one loss was to Nebraska last year after just about half the team got whacked. Yeah. So, Laporta, Beatrice, yeah. DG. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would have been like if it would have been like if Iowa had lost DG, compare him to Laporta. Mm-hmm. You know, your best player. Uh and Laporta was, well, Campbell maybe too. But yeah. Laporta was like the only chance. Yeah. <laughs> they had to move the ball through the air. Um and then you lose so like let's say it was last week and DeGene mm-hmm. went down and then you lost uh your net like Higgins and I don't know, I guess Deacon Hill in this case I mean, <laughs> uh, in the first quarter, you know, against Illinois. <laughs> I don't think you're gonna win that game, probably, right? So yeah. um anyway. 
Uh, you brought up a lot there on about this game. I guess I want to go into some different aspects of the Nebraska game. Uh, let's talk uh, about the fact that Nebraska is five and six again. Uh, seems like this happens a lot, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. 2000, 2019, it did for sure. That's the one that sticks out to me yeah. the most. 2015. Uh, 2015, of course. That was under Mike Riley. Yeah, so they've yeah. done this with lots of coaches. Yeah. <laughs> um, and needs the win to be needs to beat Iowa in yeah. Lincoln. So mm-hmm. In both those cases, and Iowa went over right. and won the game, 28-20 and 27-24. Um, it doesn't mean they were pretty games, but Iowa got the job done. Um, how much do you think – from Nebraska's side, they've lost three close games in a row. <laughs> so they've been – they were 5-3, and three, now they're 5-4, and 5-5, five and 5-6 five, five and six after losing to um, Michigan State. Yeah, and Maryland. Maryland by three. They kind of yeah. choked that one away. And then yeah. uh, in overtime at Wisconsin, played pretty decent game. But, yeah, well, what do you think from Nebraska's point of view? Do you think they have – a lot of pressure on them maybe, or do you think they come out with guns a blazing and it's, it's a, one of those storms that Iowa can't, you know, has to be ready for, you know? You know, I, I guess I, I would look at it a couple of different ways. I think with Nebraska, you look at it as, um, they, they've got more pressure applied to them on this game because they have to win it. But it's also ramped up their intensity, too. Um, the other losses all blew for them. That sucked. But, you know, this they do regard Iowa as a rival. They're, they, You know, the, the whole banter that we had for about a decade of, is this a rivalry or, you know, there's Iowa beneath Nebraska. Now, all that's kind of out the window now. You know, it's, it, it is and it will be and it will be for, you know, through the time when we're taking a dirt nap. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think so from Nebraska's perspective, though, they've got a lot to play for as a program. You know, they've struggled for a lot of years. They haven't been to a bowl game since 2016. They're the only Power Five program to go that long and that, and for, for that glorious history and past that they have, um, you know, that's that's pretty humiliating. So for them to go out and beat, you know, play well, beat Iowa at home in front of the fans and get to a bowl game, beat Iowa for the second straight year, that really matters. And for Matt Rule, it can show a lot of progress. Like, hey, we're turning the corner. We've had some tough losses, but we still, you know, we got it together at the end and 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 won a, a game against the Big Ten West champion. And now we're proving that we can compete with all of these teams. Um, so for Iowa, it's the exact opposite. It's a little play loose. We're going to go out and play well, win, they're going to get stuck at home again. Ha, ha, ha. And, and, uh, and, and I think, you know, the schadenfreude will, might come out after the game. But uh, overall, it, it, it does make for a really contrasting styles and a very interesting game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, did, I wrote about the 10 wins today. So the, others, the other six are the 85. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they didn't used to play right. as robust of a schedule. We have to give that asterisk. But, uh, yeah, 1985, they won 10 regular season games. 1991, mm-hmm. they won 10 regular season games. They did not win the bowl game either year, that year. Right. Uh, now they got to 10, I believe it was 87, uh, with yeah, with the postseason win against Wyoming. Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
and then uh, seven times under Ference. So yeah, yeah. see if I got it right. Oh two, obviously they made yeah. they got to the ten uh, in the regular season. Obviously, I got to eleven in the regular season. Yeah. Oh uh, three and oh four, they needed the bowl game to get to ten. Oh yeah. four was a shortened schedule, so yeah, uh, they went nine and two in the regular season. Um, yeah. Oh nine, you get yeah. to. Uh, they were ten and two. Ten and two, and then won the yeah. bowl. Then won the bowl. Yep. And then uh, 15. 15, 19, and 21. So yeah. 19, they needed the Holiday Bowl. 15 yeah. and 21, they got there. 21 is kind of the comp, the comp, I suppose, to this yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, they went to Lincoln and, and won that game, too. Um, yeah. It took, <laughs> took a weird game to do it, but they did yeah. it. So uh, anyway, those are the 10-win seasons. So uh, as Nico Raggini said today, it's like these are the ones that are going to get you remembered. And Scott – they could win 11 games. Even yeah. if they win this week and just you know, lose next week, whatever the score is, go win your bowl game. 11 and three team. I mean, with what this team faced, it's like one of those where Kirk Ferentz is going to be talking about this, you know, mm-hmm. when he's the Iowa coach in 2032 and bring yeah. him back. The uh, 2023 team is a two, 2023 team is one of his uh, stories. As he should. I mean, this team is a lesson in perseverance and toughness and fortitude. And um, it's not really unlike 2004. You know, the, the difference is the offensive challenges made this just so it, it, it really soured everybody on the team. You know, because back then you, they had no running backs, but they had an you know, exciting quarterback who threw 14 interceptions that year, by the way. But he also threw 20 touchdowns and drew Tate. But, you know, in 04, but their defenses were comparable, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. the, and the way that they were winning and the, what happened before the season. I mean, getting just annihilated out in the desert was like, what, 44 to 7? by uh, Arizona State, and they scored, like, on a punt return in the end of the yeah. game. Yeah, Walner Bellis. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then, then they got beat by Michigan fairly decisively, although they played better. And then they went on a run. And it's like that's kind of – you look at this year, and it's a, similar to the same thing. The, the, the difference is there was no Big Ten championship game mm-hmm. uh, that there is this year. Um, they clinched a share of it at the end, you know, which – you know, they probably, they basically, I look at last week as one of those great moments because I went through like every year that Iowa had won a title division or conference title, um, you know, from the Evy to the Hayden to the Kirk Harris. And the only time that they clinched it with a touchdown and it was 56 at home because the other ones were like 85, they crushed Minnesota and, you know, in in, uh, in eighty one, they they had a you know big Which blowout, yeah. right? Even in ninety, they lost it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Lost the dome. The dome. And, yeah. You know, in 02, they won in the dome. 04, they beat Wisconsin, but it was thirty to seven. So you know, so you go all the way back, and fifty six was the only other one where you had like a pivotal touchdown, and and that was a third quarter touchdown in a six to nothing game. This one was a fourth quarter touchdown at the end of the game to win it. And I think that's that just shows you historically how important it was. Now, you know, I, I don't think it resonates quite yet, you know, what it would if it happens next week. But, you know, but I think overall, this is, um, 
this is a special season and there's special young men that are competing and, you know, I, I, I don't want to go too far here, but and special coaches coaching, because yeah. I think that in order to, to, you know, three weeks ago, Chad, we had a four way tie atop the top of the West. That's one right. team, one team, That's one right. three. And the, it was the team that was most depleted. They had the most issues and yet, you know, and had it at a, offensive coordinator fired who was the son of the head coach he had the best player in the division maybe even in the whole big 10 you break his leg practicing offense (laughs) and then you have and then they're the ones that win it you know so that's you know you've got to tip your cap to the coaches as well yeah, like you said, we remember the 2004 season with fond fondness, and uh, they beat Iowa State that year by seven, same as they did yeah. this year. They got blown out by uh, a team with State in their last name on the road in a just a buzzsaw game, like you mentioned. That was yeah. Arizona State last year, Penn State this year, and uh, they won <laughs> three games that season by exactly two points. Scott, mm-hmm. six to four. Everyone remembers that, of course. Yeah. And then 23-21 over Purdue and 29-27 over Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and then, of course, the bowl game, had, you know, ends up with the uh, Tate to Holloway situation. So, magical year. I like that comparison, too. So, right. we'll see how it plays out. On the flip side, you know, this if you lose this game and nine and five is in play. <laughs> and that would be an unfortunate finish for this team. So in other words, I guess what we're, what I'm saying, and I think you're saying is like, this game does mean a lot. It yeah. means a lot for this program. Yeah. It, it to me, I think it carries, it, it, it just speaks to what the program's tenets and core principles are is to go out and play and play hard every single time you're out there yeah. because nothing's promised nothing's given and go out and compete, you know, your hardest. And, and, you know, and and again, there's big picture ramifications too, because, you know, Nebraska and Iowa compete for recruits, you know, I mean, I would say a good third to a half of the recruits, especially in Iowa or kind of in between the rivers and, and all throughout the Midwest, they compete a lot, you know, in Algona, as we know, there's, there's two high caliber players, including a quarterback, Alex Bansky, you know, who both schools want. And, you know, I know I would hope that they're not that shallow <laughs> that they say, well, I'm flipping coin, you know, whoever wins this game, that's where I'm going to go. But, but I do think that, uh, you know, it makes you feel one way or the other, and it, it allows you to, to promote yourself in a way that, that can help you and possibly give you an edge. And, and so that, that's, that's there again, you want to make sure to have that. And plus, do you really want to lose to Nebraska two years in a row? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I know the fans don't. So and I know <laughs> the players don't either. I mean, that, yeah. I, I was just really impressed with, and I know it's just words, but it's, when Kirk Ferentz said, I had no doubt that they were going to come in and be all business. That's how this team is. He said today, uh, Tuesday that, um, you know, the, talked about how the defense is really taken. Yeah. It was playing good early in the year, but now it's really playing good. Mm-hmm. And if he says that in a press conference, yeah. he, they're really playing good, yeah. <laughs> which they are, but I mean, they really are playing good football. That was a good uh, Illinois offense the other day. I yeah. mean, and they, you know, 
what, four and out. The game on the line, they they yeah. made a four and out, and they got it done. So, um, you know, this team is playing at a high level, and that leads me into the last part of this conversation was, how does Iowa win this game, Scott? Uh, I would like to know your thoughts as well. I know what I've written and what I filed yeah. from, for the article, you know, the paper on Friday. I had to file that <laughs> one early. But uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts? And then I'll get into mine. How do you win the game if you're the Hawks? I think you just play the same way you've played all year long. You you have a they have an outstanding defense too. It's going to create a lot of problems for your offense. Your off your defense is really good. You're going to have to slow down the running game. I think that's probably one of the challenges. I think not not unlike facing Rutgers in some ways that you're going to have to be cognizant of the running quarterback. You're going to have to be cognizant of the running game. Um, but I think they're capable of that. It's really going to come down to the minute details, um, and that is, you know, penalties, turnovers, field position, and you're looking at it going, okay, Tory Taylor, I'll, I'll take my chances with Tory Taylor every single day and, you know, twice on Sunday. Um, and then you look at penalties. You know, Nebraska's cut down on those quite a bit from the Frost era. They were a little frosty with the penalties back in the day, <laughs> uh, but Iowa's better. Iowa's still pretty good. But then turnovers, and Iowa's not having a good year. I mean, they're minus three. That's un Iowa like. But Nebraska's minus fifteen, and they've you know their twenty eight turnovers. I think are second worst in the nation. So if you're going to be Iowa and you play the same style of football, game in and game out, punt ball. We'll stop you. Maybe you get a first down. Then you punt. We punt. Blah, 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 blah. Eventually something breaks. And as long as Deacon Hill doesn't make a big mistake, then you think it's going to come down to Nebraska, which then ultimately turns into points. And that's the way to me. It's it's kind of like just play your game. I think Iowa's better at it. And then you get in the pressure situations Nebraska is going to be feeling the pressure and the tension. They're at home. They need to win to get to a bowl game. Iowa's going to play loose. Like, we got this. We've been here. We know really we should be five and zero in one score games. <laughs> but, yeah, right. You know, you know four and one with an asterisk. But so I don't know. Uh, how about you? What do you think is going to happen? No, I mean you. It's like you read my preview. I mean it's uh, the uh, the area I can focus on here. I think that you didn't. I agree with all that stuff. I think Iowa's going to be. They're going to go into this game and say, hey, they're going to turn it over. We're, yeah. We just need to wait for that turnover. And Iowa was so close against Illinois yeah. to about five or six interceptions. Mm-hmm. Castro dropped one. Deshaun yeah. Lee had an opportunity. Jamari Harris, you know, barely had a foot out of bounds. I mean, he was clearly out of bounds. But still, yeah. they were close mm-hmm. on those. And uh, I feel like uh, that's the message this week. Just you're, you're going to get your chance. This Iowa defense, we know they are due for turnovers, and mm-hmm. they've been so close. I mean, Qu- Quinn Schulte dropped one a few weeks ago against mm-hmm. uh, was that Minnesota, right? That was it. Was it Minnesota? Uh, he dropped it one. Oh, it was Rutgers. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, and then he had one, another one, but that's right. Okay. Yeah. Man, uh, I feel like it was Minnesota, but anyway, Maybe you're right. You might be right. The deflected one down, and then mm-hmm. they got a field goal. Anyway, they're due, and we know that. Phil Parker's defense typically is good at that area. Uh, the thing that concerns me on defense, which I'm not usually concerned about defense too much, is Iowa's D-line does not get pressure on its own, really. So mm-hmm. you're right. they got to stop the run. Uh, but 
you know, Purdy is making his second career start. Iowa defenses usually have – it's almost perfect, honestly, because you've got film on him now. you got a full mm-hmm. game film on him, <laughs> and Phil can go to work on it. Yeah. And, and they've, they've nailed down on these running quarterbacks, I feel like. I mean, Gavin Wimsett didn't even try to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume Purdy's going to try to run and scramble as much as he can, but Iowa's got Sebastian Castro at the cash. They've got two yeah. great linebackers – you know, they got two safeties that they can hit, man. I mean, mm-hmm. Xavier Wampa, you know, he's been kind of quiet this year, but he's made some pretty big hits. I that Northwestern game, he yeah, he made a few wallops and Schulte, of course, you know, had one real big hit the other day. Yeah, <laughs> they got a flag, but yeah. uh, anyway, that's kind of what I, I think. I think you you punish the quarterback. I think they'll they'll try to knock him out if they can. Count on turnovers and. Be content to punt mm-hmm. win the game. Yeah, win it your way. I mean, and if there's one thing that Iowa can take a little bit of advantage of is that you know, Nebraska does give up easier passes. I mean, they give up almost 61% completion percentage. And based on the way Iowa's been able to complete passes with Deacon Hill, I mean, to go from 36% to 65% in a very short period of time, that maybe that allows Iowa to move the ball a little bit more. And again, you know, it's, it's knowing the complementary style of football that Iowa has to employ right now. It's not a sin to punt. You just want to make sure that if you get the ball at the 34, that you move it to midfield and then punt, and then you push them into the seven yard line and then you get a safety or then you force them to punt again. And then you're just, you're trading space if, and then you're winning that war of attrition. And, and I think I was more than capable of winning it. It's just, it really is going to have to come down. A couple of things I think are a little bit weird is um, Iowa can give up some yards rushing at times because they do play basically seven in the box, not eight. And um, at times teams can take a little bit of advantage of that. Um, but yet, but they're going to have to be patient too. They're going to have to make sure that, okay, we'll just keep taking it. We'll just keep taking it. And, um, and so I think Iowa is going to have to be careful there. They're probably going to sacrifice a little bit of pass disruption in order to stop those or slow the run. Uh, so that's more two gap. And then, uh, you know, I, I think the other thing is, you know, you want Deacon Hill to be aggressive, but not, but be also risk averse. And that is if the opportunity is there, take it, but otherwise don't throw it away. Even take the sack if you have to, but don't lose the ball because that's really, to me, the, the one way. We saw it last year uh, against Nebraska, uh, big plays and uh, loose ball. <laughs> and I think that's can, can be the recipe for disaster on, on Friday if they do it that way. Uh, I picked Iowa to win 13-9. to nine. I know they're a slight underdog. What do you got? Iowa 16-13, so I think they might actually go over. <laughs> okay, that would be – that's funny that 16-13 is actually an over. That's good. Yeah. Uh, good analysis there, uh, Scott. Well, by about 2.30 p.m. Friday, the Hawkeyes' regular season will be done. As you said earlier in the year, Scott, on this podcast, I believe, every game is a gift from God. So mm-hmm. it'll be we're going to miss it. And uh, yes. with the end, with the end of the regular season, you may want to pour one out. And if you do consider a pour from Steeple Ridge Bourbon from farm to bottle, Steeple Ridge Bourbon offers a high quality, delicious drinking bourbon. If you don't find Steeple Ridge at your favorite 
Retailer, ask for it by name. It is distilled, aged, and bottled in Iowa by Lonely Oak Distillery. Scott, I know I'm looking forward to a Saturday of uh, sipping on my coffee and settling in for Ohio State-Michigan on Saturday. And this is an important game for us, too, covering the Hawks because the winner faces Iowa. So uh, uh, I, I cannot tell you how excited I am for this game. Uh, who, who would you say the two biggest the two teams in the NFL, for example, that hate each other most? Who are those two teams? Would you say you're the NFL guy here? It Boy, doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't compare to college football. That, that, that's, that's what level, I mean. You know, it's it, like this is like the two teams that probably hate each other the most, mm-hmm. <laughs> and every single storyline has ramped this up so much more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've listened to a couple podcasts and. You know, the 2006 game, one versus two. Bo Schembechler dies on game week. Uh, Never be topped, right? And now it's like, I'm not so sure. This Mm -hmm. one is right there. There is so much animosity between the coaches, the teams, the fans. And, Scott, this is the last time that it's going to – it's like the NFC Championship game, for example. This gets you into the – Super Bowl. Let's get you into the playoff. And it's the two teams that hate each other the most. It's like it'd be like Bears Packers if the Bears and Packers were like 14 and 2 every year, you know, to go to the Super Bowl. Uh I I just I don't know. I I'm so amped up for this game and uh so excited for. It. I just think every single storyline just makes this one of the most intriguing Ohio State Michigan games ever. And this is why, I mean, it, it to me, it's the best rivalry in, in collegiate sports. It's the most intense rivalry in collegiate sports. It's something that's, I mean, you know, Michigan got its nickname Wolverines because of a near war between Michigan territory and Ohio over Toledo. You know, and that's, you know, it's like they called uh, the Ohio people called the Michigan people Wolverines. They took it and, you know, George Pickett used it um, during a raid on the Battle of Gettysburg by the Michigan Calvary, you know, and, and now they're, you know, fighting each other, you know, years and generations later here in, in the football field. And I just, uh, I, I think I'm glad, first of all, that Michigan's good again. So this rivalry is good again because it got kind of old and stale when Ohio State was dominating it year in and year out. Um, you know, I would say the 16 game was unique in its own way. Uh, the 16 game was really impactful, but this one might top them both. I agree with you because uh, – the hate and vitriol and the I think there was a healthy respect between Lloyd Carr and, and Jim Tressel and for the teams. I don't know that that's and they may respect the the ability of the other team, but they don't necessarily respect the teams. And then of course you throw on you know Connor Stallions and yeah. you know and he he wrecked Iowa, no question. And uh you know and then you look at all of that. So I I think this this is the the ultimate because as you said next year there's a divisionless league they right. could play conceivably week after week which really and then again in the playoff they might play yeah. three times next year yeah seriously yeah <laughs> I mean if they end up being like the four and five or something in the bracket I mean right could easily like, play in a quarterfinal exactly that's just that's nuts. So this is the last time it's singular. Although they could, I suppose, something happens, they could play in the playoff. But 
Yeah. It's winner take all. And, you know, and of course they're looking at Iowa as like the AFC champion, like the, right. you know, like the, you know, when the Chargers, the Bills, you know, the Bills or the, the, I remember the Chargers played the Cowboys 49ers winner and it was like, <laughs> you know, so. Well, uh, the game is fascinating. I kind of wish Harbaugh was there. Um, from an Iowa perspective, I think, I mean, I'm pretty, pretty much on the side of like, you want, if you're Iowa, you want Ohio State to win just because, uh, I'm not saying you can beat either team, but Ohio State, this is like their season. This is like, this is a huge, I mean, I know it's Michigan too, but Michigan's, going to have Harbaugh back for the Big Ten Championship game. It's going to have, you know, it's going to be a buzzsaw type of thing, I feel like, mm-hmm. if, if Michigan makes it the title game. Ohio State, maybe you catch them letting down just a little bit after they have this triumphant moment in Ann Arbor, you know, finally get them back. Ryan Day, you know, pumping his chest or whatever for a while. And, and plus, I just think they're easier to stop other than Marvin Harris. I mean, if you had, <laughs> if you had number three yeah. out there, you'd have a better shot, but – I'm not saying they're easy to stop, but like McCord is, he could throw the game to you potentially. So anyway, yeah. uh, that's, that's kind of what I look look at. Anything you're looking at in this game in terms of, you know, who wins? It's going to come down to line of scrimmage and, and quarterback play essentially. I mean, not that it's, I'm revealing anything there to, you know, out there, but I, I mean, you know, both teams are, are really good. And I think Ohio State is underrated defensively. Jim Knowles has done a tremendous job as their defensive coordinator. They've got good players at all three levels who are impactful. I think, you know, I, I look at, uh, you know, what they can do defensive line, you know, and, and again, uh, Michigan's offensive line, you know, they've got some potential to, to really – hammer away and and of course Marvin Harrison can change the world when he's out there I the one question mark I have for Ohio State is how does its offensive line handle Michigan you know can they run the ball with effectiveness because they're going to need to and can they protect Kyle McCord Uh, Marvin Harrison's all world he's the best I've ever seen in the Big Ten and they've had some great wide receivers but he's better than all of them Uh, but that's not going to matter if you're running for your life so I think the key for me is if Ohio State can run the ball with effectiveness and displace the line of scrimmage and prevent a lot of heavy traffic on Kyle McCord, I think Ohio State wins. But if they can't, no, it's going to be Michigan. Yeah, Michigan's got really good defensive line, good defensive mm-hmm. tackles. Uh, Ohio State has a freshman center. And, you know, a you have to give the edge a quarterback, I would think, to McCarthy and Ohio mm-hmm. State has questions to tackle. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, the, the, but they have the best player. <laughs> they have yeah. the, Ohio State has the best player, and he can completely change a defensive game because you're right. Mm-hmm. Both defenses are really good. I think Ohio State's defense is probably better. Mm-hmm. If you look at Ohio State's scores recently, they are not allowing anything. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought they were better defensively against Penn State. Michigan was. We saw Michigan give a 25 to Maryland the other day. I'm 24. I'm sorry. 25. 25 is on an Iowa mine. Uh-huh. 25 points. Yeah. Um, has Iowa gotten to 25 in a Big Ten game this year? I haven't, have they, by the way? Yeah. Michigan State. Oh, yeah. That's right. 26. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cooper. Yeah, Cooper. 
Uh, anyway, so but I picked Ohio State to win. I got them winning twenty-one to twenty. Um, I think that uh, I think this is their year, and I think the I think there might be one or two penalty calls that go Ohio State's way, um, just because uh, Big Ten doesn't want Michigan to win it. Hmm. Uh, but uh, the best chance for the Big Ten to get two in the playoff, though, would be Michigan winning, I think, hmm. because Michigan's schedule is not good enough to get in with a loss. I got Ohio yeah. State. What do you got? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Michigan, uh, yeah. 34-30. Oh, high scoring. Yeah, wow. it sometimes gets that way. So, yeah. uh, But but um, you're, you're right because Michigan's strength of schedule is non-existent. They were the only team not to play another Power Five in the non-con. You know, they're supposed to play UCLA, and they backed out. You know, so, you know, poo on them. I mean, they got to play them, I think, <laughs> next year. But – you know, and, and there's going to be, I won't say, you know, the committee will probably, even though board manuals on it, the committee is not going to go, oh, yeah, well, Michigan's this, you know, I think Ohio State would get more of a benefit of the doubt. Um, mm-hmm. But there's going to have to be some losses coming up. I mean, you know, somebody's going to have to lose that because if Ohio State, let's say they lose, they're probably going to fall to like eight, then they're going to have to be like Alabama is going to have to lose to Georgia. Yep. You know, um, Florida you state know, will have to lose Florida state. Maybe um, even Texas. Uh, you know, you know, yeah, maybe they, it'd be a good maybe, debate. Texas you know, versus Ohio state. Right. And, and that might be, come, might come down to the championship game. You know, how do they look against a Oklahoma state or whatever? Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to, you'd probably hope for Washington to win. Right. You know, you know, beat Oregon twice, because then if you know, then you start to compare strengths of schedule and Washington might be able to squeak in, you know. So, yeah, there's all kinds of fun little debates and that's potentially there. So uh, but then, you know, the winner also has to beat Iowa. And and I'm by no means going to try to predict any kind of victory for the Hawkeyes. The only thing that I'll say is that they will be heard that they will punch them in the face. Now they, they may get punched back and knocked to the ground, but they, they will make their presence known, you know, in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I like, uh, you know, I think with Iowa's defense, I, that's the one thing I, I guess either team, the Iowa's defense is going to come to play and give them the best shot. The offense just has to be functional in some way to stay in it. And we've seen them be functional in the last couple of weeks. I feel like you know, 402 yards against Rutgers, 281, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it was kind of a. I you know I thought it was a positive 281 yeah. in that Illinois game. They got they did what they needed to do to win the game. So uh, kind of excited to see it. Kind of excited to see it in a few weeks. But obviously we got a game on Friday first. So I'll see you there, Scott. Good episode today. Sorry mm-hmm. we went long, Aiden. Uh, really apologize, but. Uh, you know, it's a big game. Yeah. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Chad, to you and your family and Aiden to yours and everybody listening. We're thrilled that you hopped on with us and uh, can't wait to talk to you next week. Absolutely. For Scott Docterman, this is Chad Leistico. Thanks for tuning in to Legends and Listeners from the Channel Seed Studios. And we will talk to you next week at our normal time, 11 a.m. Thursday, right here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Iowa Everywhere.